0: hello and welcome to clock spinning a podcast of magic's history is told card by card through cube I'm Connor and with me as always is Austin how are you doing Austin
1: I'm doing good I discovered a new nursery in town and I spent way too much money on indoor plants and uh, fun pots to hold them in so I'm feeling really good about adding more plants to my office
0: oh that's wonderful so a plant nursery not a children's nursery
1: no, no, it was a children's nursery, but they had a good selection of plants, too.
0: Okay, okay. That's yeah. where I get most of mine. <laughs> so today we are doing our first micro episode. We're planning to kind of sprinkle in the smaller, sort of easier to record, easily digestible episodes, along with our mega three-plus-hour card reviews. Yeah, I think we can
1: call those our, our trademark mega three-plus-hour episodes, right? I think. Yeah, we're working on that.
0: So today is our first one of these little special micro or or maybe mini episode, depending how long it ends up being. Today we're talking about Zuberas. So we've alluded to these guys a little bit in our first two set review episodes in white and blue. Uh, The Zuberas are a cycle of spirits. Zubera spirits that appear in Champions of Kamigawa and also Saviors, actually. And these are special little spirits that have this wonderful death trigger effect that is amplified depending on how many Zuberas have died in a single turn. So why are we doing this little special episode about Zuberas? Uh, Well, Champions has a built-in OTK combo, one-turn kill combo, in the form of these Zuberas paired with the card Devouring Greed. So we'll talk about what all these cards do in just a little bit. But we wanted to kind of highlight this OTK combo, highlight the Zuberas a little bit, mostly because I really love them and I've tried several times to build a deck that works with the Zuberas <laughs> and that works with this OTK. So we just wanted to highlight this in a little mini episode and Talk about these cards at their full glory.
1: I think it's fair to call these uh, your pet, some of your pet cards, right? Two or three times I've seen you building a deck to try to put all this together. And it, it is a tough thing to put together, especially with the tools back then, like the mana in a constructed deck where you really need to run all 20 Zuberos across five colors. The mana is pretty tough to make work. It is very difficult, yeah. Be easier today with, you know, the various tribal lands to let you choose a creature type and then tap for any color in order to... Cast them, but we didn't have any of that technology back in four
0: yeah and it's it's kind of rough that you know these this combo appeared in a set that really was anything but multicolor oriented yeah <laughs> right for this whole combo to really work and for the even the zuberas individually to work at their full potential, you need to be in multiple colors, preferably all five in my opinion, but it's it's tough to pull off just in this block.
1: That's a great point. This this really is one of the least uh, multicolor friendly blocks in, I think, all of Magic, uh, just in terms of the mana that's available to you and, and the cards. There's very few cards that push you into multiple colors either.
0: Uh, in fact, there are only two gold cards in the whole set. So look forward to that in a future episode. So we'll also be rating all of the Zuberas in today's episode. We kind of you know went back and forth a little bit on the first two episodes about You know, should we rate the Zuberas independently? Should we rate them all together as a build-around package? Uh, And we've decided we're just going to go through and rate all of them as a group in today's episode. Just to tell you a little bit more about what the Zuberas actually do before we get too much further into how this combo works and why we're talking about these cards, uh, the basic structure or mechanic of the Zuberas is they are all two-mana spirits. They all have one-two power toughness, and they all have an effect that is something along the lines of when this Zubera is put into a graveyard from play, when it dies, trigger X effect a number of times for each Zubera put into a graveyard from play this turn. So what this means is if you get a whole bunch of Zuberas dying all together on the same turn, each of them is is having this effect trigger and you're getting uh, a massive amount of value, <laughs> at least by Kevin standards.
1: And so if they all die at the same time, for example, through Devouring Greed, I believe they all see each other simultaneously. So let's say you let's say you have four Ember Fist just to make it easy. They all die at once. So what happens is all four of them die. They all go to the graveyard. All of their abilities go on the stack. And so each of them will see that four Zuberas died this turn. And so if four Emberfist Zuberas die all in the same turn, all of them will deal four damage to any target, which for a death trigger on a measly two drop is pretty darn good. It's just the trick is having them all die at the same time. Exactly.
0: So that's actually, this is actually a good time to talk about what each Zubera's death trigger is and what they do. So there's five Zuberas, one in each color in Champion's. The white one is called Silent Chant Zubera. When it dies, you gain two life for each dead Zubera. Uh, Floating Dream is the blue one, and that draws you a card. Ashen Skin Zubera is the black one. That forces your opponent to discard a card. Uh, Ember Fist, as Austin just mentioned, deals one damage for each Zubera that dies. And Dripping Tongue, the green one, gives you a little 1-1 colorless spirit baby. So this effect, according to Mark Rosewater, is based on a very old card from Legends, called blazing effigy and what blazing effigy does i'm not going to read the card text word for word from back in 1994 because it's a little bit messy Uh, but blazing effigy is basically a, a zero three two drop when it dies it deals three damage to a target creature and if you use that three damage from the dying effigy to kill another effigy then the second effigy that dies deals three damage plus however much damage it has taken from effigies that turn
1: they're very strange
0: Very strange card. I guess the idea here is that you use one effigy to kill another, use that second one to kill another one, and you stack up, you know, three damage over and over and over again, and then send all this damage at a creature. And that's the problem with this card.
1: Yeah, that's. it's so it's such a missed opportunity isn't it because the uh you know otherwise it would be a really i I don't know if it even actually be a really cool and interesting card but it would have been a moderately cool and interesting card but the fact that it could only point at creatures feels like such a such a miss because it can never have much of an impact but if it's enough to birth the zuberas uh then it was a worthy card
0: that's good enough for me i miss red blazing effigy at first i thought it you could deal the damage to a creature or a player. And I was like, wow, that it seems like it should do it that. It just seems
1: like it should work. Uh, no but there's
0: no blazing <laughs> effigy OTK, at least not an obvious one that I can
1: see. Maybe with like stuffy doll and, but you'd have to break sink. You'd have to break, you know, the normal four X. It's really hard to conceive of a scenario in which blazing effigy is worth the work.
0: Was there a four, like four card limit back in legends? Probably not. Right.
1: Uh, I don't, there wasn't for Alpha, and I'm trying to remember when it was introduced. I'm not sure if it existed by the time Legends came around, but that even then, at the time, I don't think there was anything. There wasn't a stuffy doll type effect that I know of that could redirect damage from a creature to a player. Now I'm doubting myself. I feel like probably someone is going to write in and say there was some random aura in antiquities or something that did that. Uh, and if there was, let us know.
0: We would like to know about the Blazing Effigy OTK.
1: As a little historical aside, before we get into rating the Zuberas in depth and talking about how they fit into the cube and how they might fit into your cube uh, or not. Uh, This inspired me to do a little scryfall deep dive to see how many creatures actually have death triggers in magic versus how many creatures have enter the battlefield triggers in magic. Uh, What I found is that, uh, as you might suspect, there's a lot more ETB triggers than death triggers. So there are almost 2,000 creatures in the history of magic, 1,978 with enter the battlefield triggers. There's a mere 384 with death triggers. That's like a 5 to 1 ratio. Interestingly, in Kamigawa, there's a lot more death triggers relative to ETB triggers. So in all of Kamigawa, there's only 13 creatures that have an ETB trigger versus Hmm. 17 death triggers. Uh, So the Zubera, the dragons, the two other bad Zubera we're going to talk about, and then a handful of others. Although even there, that's a little deceptive because Kamigawa has this trademark uh, spirit craft mechanic that isn't named, but shows up in a bunch of cards when a creature or when a spirit Uh, enters the battlefield or a arcane spell is cast. So even in Kamigawa, it's a little distorted. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting that typically you see many, many more ETB triggers than death triggers, but in Kamigawa, not so much. That is kind of
0: unusual. And we've sort of referenced this a little bit in the first couple of episodes that there just are not, you know, we were seeing these cards that would sort of let you bounce spirits back to your hand or that white card, Hikari Twilight Guardian, these effects that sort of seem to suggest that there's going to be some sort of enter the battlefield type effect that you're trying to pull off.
1: Yeah. Otherworldly journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's just not that much of it.
1: In modern magic, basically half of all creatures have entered the battlefield triggers stapled to them in order to, you know, basically to prevent feel bads where a creature enters and gets no value. And, you know, modern magic is so tempo driven, um, so driven by who can pr- produce the most value per card. It really is alien reading Kamigawa spoilers and seeing almost every card kind of requires you to put some work into it in order to get something back out in a way that just isn't true of modern magic design. Right. For good or for real.
0: And probably a lot more lot more feel bad moments where you know, you're just <laughs> yes. not getting any value out of the card or not nearly as much as you'd hope to. Mm-hmm. One card that you are going to get a lot of value out of in this beautiful combo is Devouring Greed. Oh, yeah. So this is kind of the centerpiece of this Zubera OTK, and I'll go ahead and tell you what it does. Devour and Greed is a black sorcery uh, from champions, costs 2 BB to cast, oh, and I should mention it's arcane as well. Ooh. When you cast Devour and Greed, uh, you can sacrifice any number of spirits, which the Zuberas are, of course, and target player loses 2 life plus 2 life for each spirit sacrificed this way. And you gain that much life. So Devouring Greed can create a huge life swing between you and your opponent if you have enough uh, spirits to sacrifice. And the idea, of course, with the Zuberas, as you probably figured out by now, is to get as many of, of them as you can out on the battlefield, sacrifice them all to Devouring Greed, and then kill your opponent in one turn, ideally by having a lot of Ember Fist Zuberas that are going to stack up a lot of damage for all these Zuberas that are dying.
1: It's just so much value. So
0: much value, so much life for you, so much lost life for your opponent. And that is the combo, basically. Devour and Greed is also just a great card on its own, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in the next episode, I think, when we do our sort of full review of all the black cards of Champions of Kamigawa. It has a special place for me paired with the Zuberas because I tried so hard back in the day, and more recently too, to build a Zubera deck that actually worked with Devour and Greed. There are some kind of interesting popper Zubera decks out there that you can see now that do not use Devour and Greed. They kind of rely more on, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of smaller scale sacrifice effects. Some of these decks have Viscera Seer in them, you know, to get some scry value. And basically the idea there with these decks is to just kind of let you sacrifice these Zuberas at will, which is also a cool idea, but there's just something about this hope of mine to set up a field with a whole bunch of Zuberas on it, sack them all to Devouring and Greed, and then just take your opponent from 20 to 0 instantly.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing about the other Zuberas uh, alongside Emberfist is they do leave residual value behind, right? So like Floating Dream Zubera lets you draw more cards in order to set up if you just need a little more finishing damage, Silent Chant, even as lame as he is gaining life, you know, that's enough to kind of stonewall your opponent. Dripping Tongue leaves behind some blockers or attackers. So they do, they do all play nicely with the central card.
0: Yeah, for sure. There are also some different cards you could use to fill out this deck. Obviously, there are many throughout Magic's history that would let you sacrifice these spirits in various ways, but some of the other kind of possible cards that you could throw into this deck, uh, because having 20 Zuberas and four Devouring Greeds is obviously not going to give you a full deck. So some other cards that I was kind of thinking about and looking at uh, just within Kamigawa block uh, our Eerie Procession, which we talked about last episode, Blue Spell, which lets you search your deck for an Arcane Spell. You would use this to find the Devouring Greed.
1: Incidentally, since, since last episode, I think Eerie Procession has gone up just a little bit in both of our estimations. We'll talk more about the Dampened Thought archetype and the kind of general stall-em-out uh, Blue-White Arcane Spells archetype in the mailbag segment in a bit. But I think we're realizing Eerie Procession has uh, just a few more uses than we initially thought.
0: Yeah, I, I'm probably a little too fixated on just getting
1: devouring Greed. That's really how I sold the concept of the show to you was just, we're going to talk about Zuberas. There's going to be Zuberas in it, and you said, I'm in. Austin promised me a full episode about
0: Zuberas, and that's, that's where this all came from. <laughs> so there's also kinds of blue card draw that we've talked about uh, that would get more of these Zuberas so you can get them out there. There's a card in red called Devouring Rage, which is similar to Devouring Greed. Uh, but what rage does, it's it's an instant instead of a sorcery. It also lets you sacrifice a bunch of spirits, but instead of causing your opponent to lose life and giving you life, it lets you give one creature plus three plus zero for each spirit sacrifice.
1: Plus three plus zero, and notably not trample, not trample, not breaking. flying, nothing like <laughs>
0: no no kind of evasion, nothing to get the damage through. But in theory <laughs>
1: trample. If it gave Trample, it'd be... It'd be pretty viable, I think, as a secondary, kind of a backup Devouring Greed, really. And maybe even viable just on its
0: own. Just as a card. Just as a card, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So the lack of Trample is a bummer, but if you can just sneak one Zubera in there and then Mm -hmm. sacrifice the rest of the board, you know...
1: Or like a Lantern commie, you know, you have a... Uh Because it is uh an instant, right? Devouring Rage is an instant, so send in your little flyer, they're all unsuspecting. Boom! Very sneaky. Got him. And actually, the damage ceiling is higher on Devouring Rage, right? Because it's plus three. It's three as a base and then three for each. So if you sack four, that's like 15. It's Pretty good. Yeah. Boom. What else do we got here? He Who Hungers is a black legendary
0: spirit that lets you sacrifice other spirits. With an amazing name. Great name. One of the best names in this set, I think. But He Who Hungers, he lets you sacrifice a lot of Zuberas with an activated ability that he has, so... There's that. I mentioned Life Spinner in here. I'm not sure if this would be worth having, but you could. You're digging deep at this point. I'm, I'm really digging deep to try to make this work. I I was trying to find just any kind of card that could fill out this deck that would make it uh, possibly viable. Life Spinner is probably not that card.
1: Do, do you want to read Life Spinner for the hand? I'm sure most of our listeners have memorized Life Spinner. Yeah, I'm there sure might be everyone's very
0: familiar with Life Spinner, but let me pull it up here. So Life Spinner is a 3G for a 3-3 spirit. You can tap him and sacrifice three spirits to search your library for a legendary spirit card and put it into play. So that you're getting double value off Life Spinner with Zuberas because you can sacrifice three of them, maybe three floating dream Zuberas, draw Whoa. nine cards, and search your library for that legendary spirit, in this case, He Who Hungers.
1: We're not rating Life Spinner this episode, and yet I wish we were because now my mind is just spinning thinking about this hill giant that does something very nifty. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, we'll be waiting. A while for him because he's in green and betrayers so ah yeah painful
1: we've got soul blast which i think is maybe the next to devouring greed the most effective one um so soul blast is three r r r so six mana three designated red instant as an additional cost to cast the sack all creatures you control deals damage to any target equal to the total power of the sacked creatures That would be great. I think the triple designated is kind of a deal breaker, but the fact it boosts the damage is really nice. Yeah. I guess I forgot that (laughs) devouring green still gives you a better rate because these guys have one power. Maybe Soul Blast isn't good in this. Yeah. Disregard.
0: The the triple designated is is a bit of a bummer too in in a deck that theoretically is five colors. It's tough. One last guy I wanted to throw in there was Shimatsu the Blood Cloaked. Also a great name. Some freaky scary art too. It, It really is. And a demon, which we haven't had a chance to get to yet in the set, but we will very soon.
1: Ooh, that'll be fun to talk about.
0: So as Shimatsu comes into play, you can sacrifice any number of permanents and he comes into play with that many plus one plus one counters. So this would basically just be an easy way to sack a whole bunch of Zuberas.
1: And you could get a five five out of it. So you know. And you might get a five five. Oh and he can stack your lands. That's cute. So he could he could be like a six six yeah. before he eats a Ren Spirit. Mm-hmm. Be cool.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some chemical <of> value. <laughs> Uh, So those are just some potential cards that could fill out a Zubera-style deck.
1: Connor? Yeah. Are you ready to reveal the big twist? I think I am.
0: There are two more Zuberas in Saviors.
1: Which I did not know until we started researching this podcast. I had completely missed this, even as a Zubera fan.
0: I didn't know this either until I started making Zubera decks and just, you know, googled Zubera. And then I saw these two guys and I'm like, who are they? There's two more Zuberas and Saviors, not five more. Remember, the Zubera is a five-color cycle in Champions. uh, But they decided to just throw in two more Zuberas and Saviors, one blue one and one red one. And mechanically, these are completely different from the Zuberas that uh, all of you now
1: know and love. They're really bizarre. They are. So we've got... Do you you want to read them to us? First up, uh, Rushing Tide Zubera, 2UU for a 3-3 Zubera Spirit. When it dies, if four or more damage was dealt to it this turn, draw three cards. So it's a 3-3, three, three, and if it gets dealt four or more damage while dying, you draw three. And Burning Eye Zubera is very much the same card, 2RR, 3-3 three, three, Zubera Spirit. If four or more damage is dealt to it, it deals three damage to any target. So basically, one of them Ancestrals and the other one Lightning Bolts, which seems a little... <laughs> um asymmetrical but that's fine <laughs> i guess they're both the best of the original boon cycle from alpha so that's fine really really strange design on these uh, they ask you to put a, a really large amount of work in in a way that you like, they're, they're so different from the original zuberas because i feel like as medium as the original zuberas are you at least can control whether they trigger more whereas these you're kind of dependent on your opponent to trigger them um, or if you're not, you're probably wasting cards to trigger them. Pretty high value cards to deal four damage. So, uh, they're, these two are, are real oddballs. You know, the
0: original Zuberas, you're always going to get some kind of value out of them. You know, they yeah. their trigger happens when they die. You may not get all the Zuberas dying that you want to, but you're going to get something out of it. These guys, if you don't create this trigger, if you don't deal four or more damage to them, one way or another then they do nothing they're just four mana three three which isn't terrible in kamigawa
1: but it's not exciting it's not great even there and yeah the challenge is i think you're that's largely your opponent's call like obviously they choose what they block with so don't block it with a four power creature and then on defense you have some input but they can still just choose what they swing in with and when so it's just really hard to see how you set either of these cards up and without that they are um hill giants with two designated mana and their mana cost, which is, uh, which is tough.
0: I'm extra frustrated about Burning Eye Zubera, not only because it doesn't have the Ancestral Recall attached to it uh, like Rushing Tide does, but mm-hmm. with Burning Eye Zubera, if you're trying to set something up where you're creating some effect where you kill your own Zuberas and you know, trigger <laughs> right. it, think about Burning Eye Zubera. You have to pour four damage into it to deal three damage to target right. creature or player. Right. If you were the controller of the damage coming in you would just want to send it at someone else not your own creature unless
1: it was with burning effigy connor in which case this could allow you to deal 3 the 3 you could have dealt with burning effigy to a player actually to a player or blazing effigy
0: okay yeah 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 no you, but you would need two two
1: blazing effigies no no cuz they deal 3 so you could kill your blazing effigy but you need to deal 4 oh no oh you're right go ahead yeah oh boy yeah so you could kill you could <laughs> sack one blazing effigy to kill another blazing effigy to kill burning izubera to dome your opponent for three that's value right there that's a that's a lot of value
0: i mean you're eight mana three damage sounds good to me
1: when we roll out our custom format that is just legends and four drops from kamigawa block and that's the whole format i i think this could be this could have some likes (laughs) stay tuned for
0: (laughs) next season folks
1: We'll do a special season just on that.
0: So I've I've just about had enough of these two guys. But it one last thing, it is kind of interesting that they are mechanically closer to the original effigy. You know, they, their their mm-hmm. trigger relies on them taking damage instead of just dying, which mm-hmm. is how that original Blazing Effigy worked. But yeah, they're just they feel like knockoff Zuberas to me, and it's disappointing that they don't have the same effect as the original cycle. They're only in two colors for some reason. They don't have the same, you know, two mana, one, two ratio that the originals do. So I just sort, I wonder why they were in here at all.
1: Yeah, knockoff is a good way to put it because they really they really do feel like, you know, you're walking down an alleyway and someone goes, hey, hey, I got a Zubera, are you interested? That's totally <laughs> legit. It's an official Zubera, you know, like they just, yeah, they really <laughs> and, do and you feel can't lame. you can't
0: remember what the names of the the actual Zuberas are. You're like, oh yeah, I've been looking for some Ember Fist Zuberas. But he goes, hey, I got some Burning Eye Zuberas. And you go, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, that it sounds was right. that it? That yeah. seems about right. Yeah, yeah. And it does some when it dies, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, I got you, pal. <laughs> so Connor, can can this one turn kill, before we get into raiding each of the Zuberas, like, what do you think of this one turn kill? Is this, you've had a lot of experience in your life trying to make, make this work. What do you think? I
0: think it probably cannot work in our cube. The the idea of having a deck that is in more than two colors, or you know, that does anything more than splash into a third color, I think is going to be very difficult in a Kamigawa cube, just because there is so little fixing.
1: Yeah, although we we talked about when we get to our mana episode, we're we're strongly considering dipping outside of Kamigawa block for the fixing because there just isn't any in the original Kamigawa.
0: Right. So we may need to do that, but we're probably not going to do it just to get this OTK to work. I think realistically, you need to be, if you were to pull this off, you need to be in four colors for this to work. You need blue for the card draw, possibly for Eerie Procession, um, for the Floating Dream Zuberas to be able to draw enough cards to find everything you need. You need to be in black for Devouring Greed. Uh, you need to be in red for the Ember Fist Zuberas, which give you that extra damage on top of Devouring Greed that you need to pull off the OTK. And I think you also need to be in green mostly for Kodama's Reach and maybe Sakura Tribe Elder to get the little bit of fixing that there is in this set.
1: Mm-hmm. And and a lot of the Soul Shift, best Soul Shift creatures like Forked Branch, Garami, also sit in green, which are which are nice with the Zubera.
0: That's true. I, I really hope that at some point we'll be able to pull this off in the cube. And we're we're about to go through and kind of rate the Zuberas individually. So it's it's possible you could put this together, but I don't think that we should view them as as sad as this makes me, I don't think we should view them as sort of a big build around package that live or die together.
1: I agree. I, I think the good news is that many of them are pretty okay on their own and devouring greed is certainly okay on its own. And so I think we can allow you and other drafters to chase the dream without, you know, just cluttering the cube with otherwise unplayable cards. I don't think they're great card. Well, I think one or two of them are actually genuinely quite solid, but you know, they're not embarrassing either. None of them are totally embarrassing.
0: So should we uh, go ahead and go through and just rate all seven of these Zubera? We'll skip ahead a little bit to Saviors to rate those two knockoff Zuberas. Okay, let's kick it off with Silent Chant Zubera.
1: Yeah, so I have Silent Chant probably as an insta-cut. I think it's the weakest of the five OG Zuberas on trigger. Gaining two life isn't terrible. If you can trigger multiple of them, it's actually not bad but it's it's definitely it's the only one that doesn't have any kind of card advantage or board impact uh when it dies Mm -hmm. i think it's also as you were saying the only color that you don't need in this deck really is white otherwise like white doesn't bring that many spirit craft triggers it doesn't really bring soul shift to the party you know there's not a lot of reason to run white on its own it doesn't really support what the rest of the deck is trying to do very much either yeah that's a good point
0: i'm a little bit more favorable toward. Silent Chan and not only because it's a Zubera. Mm -hmm. I think that the two life gain could potentially matter in a format that we think is going to be as grindy as this probably will be. Being able to get a couple life potentially amplifying that even more if you happen to have multiple Zubera out could matter. You know, we really loved candles glow. The idea of candles glow is you know stall out card based on the life gain that it can give you. I I think there's like just enough value to silent chant being a spirit. Being a two-mana one-two, which can trade with a surprising number of things in Kamigawa, there are so many creatures that have just one toughness for some reason. And getting that little bit of life, I feel like
1: it's a meh. It's a a bold call trying to raise this guy all the way to meh. I'm fine, including... A bold meh. Including one or two of them to start. Uh, I feel like it's two. I feel like all of these, including one of them, is just weird. It just sends a false signal. Yeah. I do think it's the least likely, the five, to make the grade in the long run. I think that's probably right. Should we say two at math for now? Yeah, that works. All right. Okay, next up we have Floating Dream. As a reminder, this is the blue one. Uh, and you draw cards when it dies for each Zubara. I think this is probably the best of the five. It essentially always replaces itself. If you get two, then it double replaces itself. So if two blue die in the same turn, for example, you're drawing four cards. It also helps support what the blue deck is trying to do natively, which is to say stall out until you can start either overwhelming with dampened thought or the foggy effects or go over the top with spiritcraft triggers. So I think this one is the best of them. Maybe the only one I'd pull all the way up to playable. Yeah, I'd say it's playable actually.
0: I'm not sure if I would say that I think it's the best one, but I do think it's very solid just on its own. Blue does not have a lot of great creatures as we saw in our last episode. And I think just like a two mana one, two
1: that replaces itself
0: is enough on its own. With the possibility of extra value.
1: I was thinking three of these things just because I like the way it supports the rest of what Blue does. Yeah, I think that's kind of right. All right. Are you willing to go to playable or do you feel like it's more of a meh?
0: You know, I was saying meh at first, and I think that's actually what we said in the last episode. But I I think you're right that it's playable. And I'm going to call a few other Zubera's playable later, so I don't think that's too generous.
1: All right, you want to talk to us about Ashen Skin?
0: Uh, Ashen Skin Zubera uh, is the Black Zubera. Just as a reminder, he causes your opponent to discard a card for each Zubera that's died. I think this is probably the worst Zubera. Wow, worse than Silent Chant. <sighs> <sighs> I Okay, the, the problem is for me with Ashen Skin is I, I think I tend to overrate discard effects like it always seemed from from the moment we started playing Magic, I felt like discard is you know very powerful, very frustrating for your opponent. Uh, you're keeping them from playing something that they have been holding for a long time maybe, or you're denying them a land that they really need. But the fact that Ashen Skin probably comes into the game pretty early when your opponent still has a large hand and you have no control over what they discard, I think makes him kind of of limited value.
1: I'm inclined to agree. I also feel like discard effects where your opponent chooses what to discard are usually less good than they appear. You know, you Mm -hmm. think of like Mind Rot and you know, Mind Rot's fine. We're going to talk about a Mind Rot card, I believe in the next episode, but it's never great. Contrast this with like Ravenous Rats, right? The classic, you know, one black, one of ETBs, target opponent discards a card. And that card also never impresses while being an ETB trigger. So it's mm-hmm. it's much more likely to be relevant. Yeah, I agree. By the time this thing dies, there's a decent chance it's just not going to do anything. Although I do think the nature when we've been doing test drafts, uh, it's pretty rare for players to really empty their hand in this format. It's just so slow and there's a fair amount of card draw and recursion effects. So I do think it it's value is a little higher than it would be in most formats. Yeah, that's
0: fair. That said, like the fact that this is a death trigger instead of a ETB Type effect that does give your opponent even more control over it. So if if they're really scared of that discard, you know they can try to play things out of their hand as much as possible before they kill the Ashen Skin. It's hard to it's hard to see the situation where they're going to be that terrified of this two mana one two. Like a lot of discard effects are, you know, a sorcery that will force your opponent to discard, and that they can't really see it coming. But with Ashen Skin, like he's sitting there, they know the discard's come in at some point and they have some power over when that happens.
1: This is also the one that benefits least, I would say, from uh, the fact that you can get uh, triggers that uh, increase in importance th- or impact the more Zubera die. You know, right. discarding two cards is definitely better than one. Three is definitely better than two, say, but like six isn't meaningfully different than three. It doesn't really have as much of a cascading effect as the other Zubera do.
0: That That's a really good point. I think un- unlike all four other Zuberas, really, there's like a hard cap to the value that you can get out of Ashen Skin, which is your opponent's hand size. They only have two cards in their hand. You're not going to get that much value out of forcing them to discard four, whereas every other Zubera, there's kind of no limit to how much they can do for you, how powerful they can be.
1: Yeah, although admittedly, uh, if you're stripping your opponent's hand that always is a good feeling. Maybe I'm over-rotating on that. Sounds like we should probably settle around meh on this guy. Yeah, I think the fact that he happens to be in the same color as Devour and Greed spares him from like the Executioner's Axe, which I otherwise might give him, to be honest. And actually,
0: aside from the Devour and Greed combo, just being a spirit in black, which does have a lot of soul shift, does, I think, have more value out of getting spirits and having spirits die. Bringing spirits back, I think that bumps him up just a little bit, too.
1: Yeah, we should also. We haven't talked about the art for each of these, and I don't think we have to. But this one, for my money, has the best art of the you five. Think so? Oh yeah, I think I like how creepy it is. I like that it's fairly dynamic pose. Uh, I don't know. I just think it looks really cool.
0: Yeah, he he does look like a real creeper in this art. Yeah, who's your favorite art? Just as an aside, you know that's a good question. I actually like a Dripping Tongue quite a bit. Uh, it's definitely the grossest name, but. You know, who doesn't like a dripping tongue?
1: Kind of the grossest art for my money. Yeah. This big, long tongue is freaking me out.
0: He's, uh, yeah, he's sort of this sinewy, viney, humanoid type figure. All the Zuberas are vaguely humanoid. And he's got a real long tongue coming out of his head. It's, it's a little bit like, it reminds me, I don't know why, it doesn't look that much like them, but it reminds me of the Demogorgon from Stranger
1: Things. Where'd you rate this? I have it as kind of a 2X meh? Yeah, I think that's right. All right, next up, Ember Fist. Uh, Ember Fist is the red one, uh, and it deals uh, one damage for each Zubera that died this turn. I have this thing in a map. I think it looks a little better than it is because the base rate is it dies and deals one damage, which, you know, (laughs) isn't anything that impressive, really. Uh, Once two of them die... Uh, I think dying and shocking is actually pretty solid, but one damage uh, isn't really enough to... I th- to do what I think this I often is doing is not killing your opponent. It's like goblin sharpshooting your opponent's board, uh, yep. but with just one of them, it's really not doing anything. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Okay, I consider Ember Fist playable. Whoa.
0: Just pinging for one damage is obviously not a big deal most of the time in Magic, but there are so many creatures in Kamigawa specifically that just have one toughness there are a ton of two mana two ones. There are some cards uh like one we'll talk about in the next episode that are six mana four ones i mean those are those making the grade though <laughs> uh, well, they may not make the
1: grade, but there are a ton of one toughness cards you're right it's ninety there are ninety seven creatures with one toughness in the block. Yeah. So that, that's like close to a sixth of all the cards in the block. Yeah. Let's see what percentage of all creatures that is. So there are 336... Holy cats. There are 336 creatures in the block, which means 28% of all creatures in the block have one toughness. Wow.
0: Yeah. So Ember Fist, you know, he's trading with one of those one toughness creatures, and he's potentially pinging another one.
1: It makes him into kind of a pseudo bear now that you say. I mean, he's almost a 2-2 because he could ping... The thing he was fighting with, and now he's almost a playable card. He's almost a bear. He
0: can deal with Bushido, kind of. So I think I think he's playable.
1: Connor's going to say almost a bear equals playable.
0: Almost a bear is playable in this set.
1: Okay, and how many do you want to run? So I said three, but I, I feel like two is probably right. I'm fine with two. We'll talk about it when we get to red. Red is maybe the weakest color in this set, and I suspect Emberfist might actually kind of outperform there, Um, but I'm fine leaving him at two to start. Okay, let's do that. And you want to call it playable? I do want to call it playable. All
0: right. All right, our final Zubera then, Uh, my favorite artistically is Dripping Tongue. This is a green Zubera. When it dies, uh, you get a 1-1 spirit token for each Zubera that died that turn. I think this is also playable. For similar reasons to Emberfist, just having another creature on the board, especially another spirit, creates some value. This also triggers, oh no, I guess it wouldn't trigger when you play a spirit or arcanine spell.
1: Yeah, spirit craft is when you play, right? Not when one enters.
0: Yeah, when you play. Yeah, that's a bummer.
1: I still think this is playable, though. It sort of replaces itself. This is probably the number two Zubera for me. I still like floating dream best just because it's guaranteed to get... It's not. I mean, I guess they're both guaranteed to get something back, but I just love drawing cards so much. I know you do. I can imagine a world in which uh, we end up cutting, you know, the black one entirely, the white one entirely, maybe even Emberfist entirely, but I don't see a scenario in which this one in green, the spirit craft color um, just gets cut. I think it's, I think it's always going to be a solid card, especially in like the black green... Spiritcraft deck that just happens to pick up one devouring greed as a big finisher this thing because the great part about this is you could sack it or you could sack the thing that's left behind so it's just really it's really nice with devouring greed
0: right if you have two devouring greeds you can also use the second one to sack all the little zubera babies that are left behind by dripping
1: tongue Mm -hmm. i don't like calling them babies that makes me feel kind of bad but (laughs) so they're they're zubera babies so it's it's fine yeah i i'm willing to call this one playable actually and i think three of them
0: Feels good to me. I think so. I think we need to be generous to Dripping Tongue and Floating Dream, our respective favorite Zuberas.
1: All right, we're going to do a little bit of favoritism. Yeah. Okay, I think the next two may not get as much favoritism, though. Definitely not. Okay, so we're jumping to the um, the Savior's Zuberas with Rushing Tide Zubera. So as a reminder, 2 UU u 3-3 Zubera Spirit. When it dies, if four damage was dealt to it this turn, four more damage was dealt to it this turn, draw three cards. I just have this as an insta-cut. I don't don't like that these make me think of the other Zuberas when I look at them. Like, I almost can't evaluate them fairly. Like, if they were called something like Blue Ancestral Recall Spirit, I think I would be kinder to them. But the fact that they are these weird imitations of the other Zubera just makes me sad. That is a great name, though. Blue (laughs) Blue (laughs) Blue Ancestral Ancestral Recall Recall Spirit. Yeah, I I like that a lot better. Especially Rushing
0: Tide, honestly, because the art uh, on this card is... Very, very similar to Floating Dream and is obviously meant to evoke Floating Dream Zubera. It kind of implies this is like the super Floating Dream Zubera. Yeah, he's evolved and become a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> I want to
1: insta-cut this. All right, we're 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 leaping ahead in time to insta-cut Rushing Tide Zubera. This is kind of an exciting moment.
0: It is. We're sort of breaking the rules here.
1: Yeah, we're time traveling.
0: So let's do it again with Burning Eye zubera which is the the red version 2 rr for a 3-3 zubera spirit if it is dealt four or more damage than deal three damage to target creature <laughs> or player a lot of value there
1: <laughs> the four versus three is just like salt in the wound every time it
0: really is yeah this is an insta cut for me
1: i mean the rushing tide at least you feel like you get an ancestral at the end it's not the lightning bolt is bad lightning bolt is great but it doesn't have the same kind of magnetic attraction as draw three cards
0: you know, with both of these, there just are not that many big creatures in this block. Yeah. Like, there's not that many things that are going to deal four or more damage to these Zuberas. Even if I could set aside the fact that they're knockoff Zuberas, which I can't. <laughs> I don't think they're very good.
1: Yeah, let's let's just cut both, uh, both of these knockoffs.
0: Get them out. Now that we've talked through all these Zuberas and the the place that they have in our cube, do you think that the Zuberas... Have any place in a non-Kamigawa themed cube?
1: Uh maybe, I think is the answer. I think I think if you're running a lower power cube, particularly a lower power cube with a lot of synergy, I think you could. None of these see very much many uh very much play. Looking at Cube Cobra, uh Floating Dream gets the most, appearing in 196 cubes, uh, and it's downhill from there. <laughs> Dripping Tongue in 179, Ash and Skin in 172. Ember Fist and 157, just 136 for the white one, Silent Chant. Uh, And then our Savior's ones get into 103 and 91 cubes, respectively. Uh, And I should say all of these numbers are uh, including our cube (laughs) uh, a couple of times, because uh, we have this cube and a backup version that shows the original. So... (laughs) (laughs) We're inflating the numbers a little bit. We're artificially inflating the numbers. I think you could, but you probably wouldn't is my answer. I think on their own floating dream and dripping tongue, like we talked about sort of stand apart as cards that'd be pretty reasonable to run in most cubes that have a lot of uh, sacrifice synergy. I think the problem with that is they have this weird trigger. That's kind of hard to read and understand. And particularly if you're in a traditional singleton cube where you're not running multiples, I think it would just send a really bizarre signal to the drafter. So like floating dream, I think in a lot of cubes would be lower power cubes could be okay as like a two mana one, two that replaces itself on death. But I think the weird trigger is just going to result in strange experiences for your drafters, which is both the attraction of the Zubera. And I think also is the reason they see such little play.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point about creating confusion. Like I think when you're crafting a cube, you want to be very thoughtful in the cards that are included and think about. You know, what message are they going to be sending as people are drafting? What sort of archetype are they suggesting? What other cards in the cube are they going to go well with? And with our cube, where we're limiting ourselves to this specific block, a lot of those things, a lot of those questions kind of answer themselves. But to just drop one of these Zubera into, especially a singleton cube, where there's at most maybe one or two other Zuberas that will pop up at all, even if they are okay as a standalone card i think it does just send a really weird signal to the player that's going to have them looking for more zuberas and not finding them
1: i do think if somehow you're running a unusual low-powered cube that allows multiples and has a good amount of graveyard synergy i think floating dream and dripping tongue could pretty easily make the grade in that kind of cube and i think the others are okay-ish it's just i i think apart from apart from Kamigawa block cubes I suspect there's not a lot of other cubes that meet all these other specific criteria. Yeah. All right, I think that takes us to the end of the Zubera segment. Unless, Connor, is there anything else you wanted to cover with uh, these pet cards?
0: You know, I I think I've said all I want to say about them, for now at least. <laughs>
1: to close out today's episode we just wanted to um acknowledge and respond to some of the great feedback we've gotten uh through reddit and email and and other sources so yeah let's just dive in the first thing is we got a ton of love for bushy tenderfoot after the first episode i don't think i'd realized quite what a pet card this was but we had multiple people come to the uh, tenderfoot's defense uh, and point out that while he's a bit hard to flip there are tools and it's just so cool and powerful when he does flip
0: yeah, you gotta love that double strike.
1: Yeah, I think that's great news for you because I feel like you were you were the big tenderfoot partisan, and I was kind of like, yeah, man, man, it's impossible to flip. But I, I think you're right. We should we should live the dream.
0: I I really hope we can get this in and flip it because I I love this card so much. As a young Magic player, I you know I always wanted to have a samurai deck that worked well, and it seemed like Bushi Tenderfoot and Kenzo needed to be a part of that. There needed to be
1: some way to flip it. Just the thought that a a one drop can turn into a six, essentially a six power creature is so cool. It is. And the, you know, the just flavor of it, of
0: this, you know, young, inexperienced samurai becoming this hardened warrior. It's just really cool. It was, it was great to see so much love for this.
1: Uh, the other big theme I would say is a lot of love for dampened thought. Um, And this for is, sure. this is where we confess that we're not complete experts in every part of original Kamigawa di- uh, block, because it turns out, there's a hidden deck in the original Kamigawa block that revolves around using Dampened Thought with a bunch of the foggy, stally uh, effects to mill your opponent out while splicing Dampened Thought onto uh, every one of your foggy, game stally effects. Really cool archetype, uh, and it's unusual in that it was discovered kind of halfway through Kanagawa Limited it was sort of a hidden deck uh and we definitely i think this raises our opinion of Dampen Thought uh significantly and i, I don't think we're going to end up insta cutting it
0: i remember we were we were agonizing over this card a little bit because you know we both love the mill effect and it made us sad that there wasn't kind of more milling in the block to pair with this card but a lot of people raised you know some very good points about being able to splice this onto a lot of cards and actually not needing that many copies of Dampen Thought to make this archetype kind of work. And it does sound like a ton of fun to try.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of comments to this effect, you know, from uh, Dash Hopes and Ender Wigan and Lad's World and all kinds of other uh, people with wonderful usernames. Um, but Lad's World, in particular pointed us to a great Reddit thread from a few years ago where someone was writing up flashback draft guide for a champ- Triple Champions of Kamigawa um, MTGO flashback draft. Uh, where they talk about a lot of cards, including Damp and Thought. And then LSV himself jumped into the comments on Reddit to talk about how the Damp Thought archetype works. Uh, and his take is that it's a little easier to assemble than you might think. Uh, he feels like you need, at most, two copies to make it work. You know, if you can get more, that's great. But two is actually enough to make the deck function, uh, which makes me think throwing two or three of these in is actually fine. It's just a little kind of spider, spider spawning style build around.
0: Yeah, I think so. So we are we are going to be revising our original Instacut rating for Dampen Thought.
1: We're just time traveling all over the place this episode.
0: What do you feel like our uh, renewed rating for and Thought should be? It's got to be built around, right? I think so. Yeah.
1: Should we say two copies or three? I think three, or I was even flirting with four. Didn't we end up doing something like totally mad and putting in four candles glows? We did. We did put in four candles glow, and
0: uh, a few people commented on that as well, and you know, they seem to think it was a pretty solid choice. So maybe we do go with four dampened thoughts.
1: I think we should start with four and see if A, the deck can ever come together or B, if it's like, oh wow, this is actually too easy and it should be a little bit harder. I think four is a pretty decent starting point. Yeah, let's try it out. The other card it's making me think about is Ethereal Haze, which we insta-cut. That's Mm. the white fog that's arcane. And I'm wondering if that deck needs one or two Ethereal Hazes to work out. That's a good point. Something to another card to splice the dampen Thought onto. Right. I do worry that this deck ends up being a little bit like the Storm deck in uh, the MTGO Vintage Cube, where it's a really cool archetype, it's really unique, and all of its cards are cards no other deck wants, and so you're, you're clogging up a lot of space in the in the cube with it. Hmm. Um, but I think we should still put it in and, and see how it plays. Yeah. All right, so we're moving dampen Thought to a 4x build around and Ethereal Haze to a 2x maybe build around to start?
0: Yeah, I think that sounds right. And I I think whether Ethereal Haze makes kind of the final cut is gonna depend a lot on how many arcane spells we end up having, especially in blue, but also in white. You know, it it is a good splice candidate for Dampen Thought, but I don't love the idea of, like you said, having more fogs just floating around in the cube doing nothing if you're not Going into this Dampen Thought tech.
1: But yeah, thanks to everybody who uh, who challenged us to dig deeper on Dampen Thought. And we'll, we'll include a link to that Reddit post where LSV outlines the archetype because it, it's really a fun read. Absolutely. All right. The last uh, set of comments we wanted to call out were from a user called Vivanter. So Vivanter A is building a Tubert cube alongside uh, the main cube that we're building, which I just think is awesome. For anyone who's not familiar, Tubert is a sort of special cube subtype, I suppose you'd say, designed to be played with just two players, which seems like a really fun uh, take on this block. Uh, But then B, uh, Vivanter took us up on our punning uh, around Council of the Soratami and how easy it is to misread that card and actually designed a custom Council of the Soratami C-O-N-C-I-L card, uh, which really tickled my fancy. Yeah, it it was a, a wonderful card. Do you want to read it out for us? Uh, yes I do. And we'll we'll link to it from the show notes as well. So council with an eye of the Soratami is four and a U for a two-two moon folk advisor with flying. And whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on this. And channel two and a U. Discard Council of the Soratami. Draw two cards. I absolutely love this design. I love that it has channel. I love the way uh it just Evokes the original Kamigawa block so strongly. I love the art that was chosen for this; uh, just a really fun, unique design.
0: I find it especially great that the channel effect is exactly what the actual Council of the Soren tells does to you to draw two cards.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's really a wonderful card. How would you rate this? I don't, so I don't think we're going to put this in the cube, a because it's not from the block, obviously, but b for a second reason. But how would you rate this card? Well, I
0: I said in response to Vivanter's post that uh, this would definitely be an auto include. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if this was a Kamigawa, it you know it's awesome that it gives you this value for drawing all these cards. There's so many cards in blue that let you draw cards, and we were sort of questioning like, what are you looking for with all this card draw? So this is just some built-in value. But yeah, it would definitely be an auto include.
1: Yeah, I actually have it as um, as an as an OP, I suppose, a new rating, or maybe you would say an insta cut. I, I think it's almost like Umi's always Jite. It's obviously mm-hmm. not as insanely broken as Jite, but I think actually within the context of the block. This card is probably too good. It's essentially Mold Drifter, right? And Mold Drifter is a very, very solid threat in almost any cube. It can make the grade and do work. Uh, and there's just really nothing else in the original Kamigawa that competes with Mold Drifter on flexibility and raw card advantage. So I, I don't know. I don't know that we could include this card just for power level reasons.
0: Yeah, you could really run away with the game with this.
1: But yeah, thank you, uh, to Adventvoter, for that wonderful card. Uh, we will link it from the show notes. I
0: think it's time now for our chant to fall silent. <laughs> oh no. As this episode turns into a floating dream. Oh, oh. But our next episode, we'll be looking at the black cards of Kamigawa. So we'd like to invite anyone listening now to just take a look at the spoiler and send us your thoughts. If there's a black card that you really love from this set, if there's, you know, some thoughts you'd like to share with us before we record that episode. Feel free to, you know, shoot us an email leave a comment on reddit and we'd love to highlight those comments as we discuss the cards if you have any other feedback any thoughts memories to share with us about any of the cards or topics that we talked about today feel free to email us at clock at gmail.com so until next time i'm connor and i'm austin thanks for listening